listening to the Deep Roots Podcast, where we're all about giving you the confidence to move beyond pain and into performance. My name is Lance Enerson, and I'm your host. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode number seven. Uh, Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you about and remind you if you've already heard about it, that I'm going to be releasing some breathwork templates. This is a way for you to get your feet wet if you're wanting to get into breathwork but you don't know where to start and you're not necessarily willing to drop the money to hire a coach to coach you one-on-one to work on your breath. Um, I just wanna get this out there to as many people as I can so that they can start reaping the benefits of breath work and learning to use the tools that each and every one of us have inside of us to improve our performance and really just our everyday overall lives. So if this is something that you are interested in, you can hit me up on Instagram or my website or shoot me an email, just contact me any way that you want because you early birds will get half off of this program for the first three months. And this is gonna be a super, super low barrier of entry so that you can, you know, like I said, get your feet wet. It's going to end up being $15 a month, uh, but for the early birds, since it is half off, that's only $7.50. So get on it quick while this offer still lasts, and we will get into our episode for today. What we're talking about today is fear and getting it out of the driver's seat. Now, fear is something that every single human being deals with. Every single living creature on this planet is dealing with fear uh, at some point or another. And oftentimes fear is operating at a low level underlying you know, a lot of the processes and the decisions that we end up making. And this was very, very relevant today uh, as the town where I'm at had an active shooter situation. Well, that's what they thought they had. Um, you know, just a, I think it was, it was yesterday or the day before there was a shooting at a school in Colorado. So, you know, tensions have been running high and that's something that's, it's really on people's minds right now, you know, just personally, like in the community and, and nationally as well as people are wondering, you know, what, what do we need to, to do about this, this problem? And uh, what ended up happening here is there was a DNR officer, so a division of uh, natural resources. He was called to an area that was close-ish to the high school. And um, there was a report of a deer that had been injured and, um, and but was still, was still alive. Just basically it was suffering and they, they needed to go and take care of it. And so that that DNR officer went to go in to do his job, um, which was basically to put down the deer. And somebody saw him with the, his gun, which it was, like I said, close-ish to the high school. And they called it in as a, you know, a, a shooter, like a gunman that was at the school. And, you know, that set into affect a huge cascade of events. And I'm not faulting that person who called in the situation, but likely because this person was operating from a place of fear. I mean, that whole shooting in Colorado is pretty fresh on everyone's minds. Um, you know, fear has a tendency to erase a lot of really important details, a lot of important information when we are assessing situations. So for example, this person called in that that somebody was 
near the high school and they were getting their gun out of their truck and they were heading towards the high school. Um, at least that's the information that I have. And if that's the case, I mean, it says very clearly on you know, those trucks that it's a, it's the, the division of natural resources that it's, you know, it's not just some kid pulling out a gun and running into the school. And so that's, that's a really pivotal piece of information that could have, you know, stopped this big cascade of events, uh, which ended up being that pretty much everyone in the town is listening to police scanners or trying to figure out what's going on. You know, parents are, you know, very concerned about their children, just, you know, different family members. And at the school, there's actually kind of like two campuses for the high school. And uh, one was locked down, the other one wasn't for a while. And so there was a lot of confusion. There's just a lot of garbage going on because people were operating so much from basically the state of, of panic. And what's important to see here is that this is not the exception. This is the rule. You know, fear is always going to blind us to certain aspects because it's a, it's a survival thing, right? It's an adaptation that helps us to survive when we're in dangerous situations. But if it's left unchecked, then like in this situation, right? You know, a very pivotal piece of information was, was overlooked. And the reason for that is really is that fear triggers the sympathetic nervous system. You know, that emotion is very, very closely related to physical danger because, you know, none of us like to be hurt. We don't like to be in pain. We don't like to, you know, lose a limb, something like that, or to be maimed. And so fear helps to keep us out, out of danger. And, you know, the nervous system's not super adept at picking up on important social cues, I guess you could say. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the guy that farts on the first date, <laughs> that sort of thing that is going to get information and it's going to apply it instantly. And emotions are a very strong source of information. You know, they can be very visceral sources of information and it's going to take action every single time if we don't keep those emotions in check. That would be all good and fine, except that our emotions are in fact not facts and they can't be trusted very often. They're super fickle and they're very contextual and they're about really about as trustworthy as a wet paper bag because they're always, always changing and always falling through from moment to moment. And you know, that doesn't mean that we should ignore fear because fear, like I said, it's an adaptive thing. It's something that really helps us to, you know, stay in our lane. But what we should do is seek to better understand our fear, or as Tony Blower says, to know our fear, not to have no fear, but to know it like K-N-O-W, right? To know your fear. And, you know, using your breath is a great way to do this because it gives you an opportunity to explore your fears from arm's length, right? Because fears, uh, you know, if we have a lot of fear going on in a situation, it gets to where we are neck deep in it very, very quickly. And it's like quicksand, you know, you can't really move out of it very easily. So if we have a tool that allows us to observe it from close enough that we can get the details, but 
stayed arm's length so we don't get sucked in, that can be extremely valuable, not only for, you know, dealing with things like anxiety, but also for dealing with, uh, you know, aspects of performance, the things that we might be, um, you know, lacking or feeling resistance to, you know, maybe it's part of your training um, or you're not sure about how you have your camp set up as you're getting ready for an event. That gives us a really good opportunity to be able to view those things a lot more objectively. And so there's a way that you can do that. So here's what you do. And this is a practice that you don't want to do while you're like driving down the road or something like that. Set aside, you know, like 10 minutes and go through this exercise. And I absolutely guarantee you that you're going to feel better about that thing that is causing you fear that you're really fearful about because you're going to get better understanding about that fear. Okay. So just take two minutes and just lay down on your back, you know, your knees bent, so your feet are on the floor, just get get comfortable and just breathe, okay? Don't think about anything but your breath. Don't worry about that fear that, you know, you're gonna ha- that you're going to um, be thinking about and confronting here in a little bit. Just worry about your breath. Pay attention to the way that your body is moving. Pay attention to the way that the breath feels. You know, be breathing through your nose, if at all possible. You know, unless you're super congested. And then after you've taken that couple minutes to breathe, just write down something about that fear that you have. The thing that comes to mind, it doesn't have to be some big, deep, dark secret of something that you're afraid of. It might just be that you're not going to you know, perfectly meet your weight loss goal uh, for this month. It might be that you're afraid that you're going to drop the game winning ball it, you know, it doesn't have to be something that is a life crippling fear, right? It, it can be anything at all. And, you know, for me, mine is failure. That's really what it is. It's that I'm not going to be able to provide for my family, that I'm going to fail in that. And that when that happens, my identity will just be shattered, right? That's, that's my greatest fear. And that's something that, you know, that I, I do struggle with on occasion, you know, it's just that, that self doubt that I'm not going to be able to walk the talk that I've been talking, uh, you know, for my entire life, basically, uh, to be very independent and to basically be able to live the life that I want to live because I'm willing to do the things that I need to do to do that. And it scares me that I could screw that up that I'm not going to be able to measure up. And so that's, that's what came up for me when I did this exercise. Okay. So after you've written it down, you don't have to have a bunch of details to this either, but you need to have a solid picture of it so that you're able to visualize that thing in your mind. Okay. And so after you've written that down, you're going to do some superventilation. Okay. So that's basically hyperventilation, but you're doing it on purpose. Okay. We, I want you to be breathing in as deep as you can. You know, so we want a really deep, full diaphragmatic breath. And then when you exhale, you're going to push it out. You're not going to be really forcing it, but you're going to let that air go. Okay. So you're going to go for a one to two minutes of doing that. If you know, if you're a rock star, if you're solid on your breath and if not so much, you want to get at least 30 breaths. Okay. So just in and out, in and out there. And so what we're doing is we're artificially elevating your sympathetic nervous system. We're putting you into a pseudo fight or flight uh, state so that you can review your fears 
in that state of your nervous system that you would actually be in if you were confronting that fear, okay? So that's why this is really important that we put the breath with the mental practice because it gives you an opportunity to actually live the experience again at arm's length because there's not any danger physically or mentally, emotionally, or or, um, socially either because you're able to just see it and be with it. Okay. So you're going to have those breaths, the one to two minutes or, you know, at least the 30 and then you're going to have a full exhale on that last one. And you're just going to hold your breath empty for as long as you can. Okay. And that's not something that you really have to push, but I absolutely guarantee you that you're going to be able to hold it for longer than you think you're going to uh, when you start, if you've never done an exercise like this before. Okay, so you're just gonna hold that empty. When you need to breathe, you're gonna take a nice big full breath and then you're just gonna let it out nice and slow. Okay, and you're just gonna get back to 100% nasal breathing. And what you're gonna do after that, you're just gonna lay there, uh, for you know a good five minutes or so and just think about that fear you know you don't have to judge it just be with the feeling and you know try and understand where that's coming from from within yourself right again this isn't you're not judging yourself and you're not necessarily trying to break down little aspects of that fear but just the way that your body is actually reacting to you know those fearful thoughts and nine times out of ten what you're going to notice is that that feeling of fear is coming from more from your gut than it is from your mind. And that's because fear is a very, very visceral emotion. It's a, has a lot of, um, you know, it has very visceral reactions when we're in a state of fear. And because, you know, that, that fear that emotion often gets very, very deep rooted and it starts directing a lot of the decisions that we make. And what happens there is that the fear starts to leak out of bounds, right? It becomes to where it's no longer a protective mechanism and it becomes problematic. But because you are the source of that emotion, because you're the source of everything really that's going on within yourself, you can acknowledge it. You can acknowledge that emotion and that feeling, that visceral feeling consciously and physically. And what ends up happening in the process is you reestablish boundaries for that fear, which is super important because that's what brings it, it reigns it back in to make it a useful adaptation again so that you know when you see that fear coming up on the horizon of something that you're likely going to experience that you'll have the state of mind to be able to step back and to assess the situation that you're in and to confront it in a way that is actually advantageous and not just end up blocking out those really important pivotal details now those boundaries aren't necessarily going to be super firm i mean if you do this one time and you expect to be completely cured of that fear, then you're definitely kidding yourself. But having this as a practice of something that you can repeat can be an absolute game changer for you in a competitive um, arena as well. Because if you're having a hard time performing and staying on point mentally or emotionally, 
because you're nervous that you're going to fail or you're just feeling the load of you know the expectations of friends and family or a team on your back this is a really good way for you to be able to step back from that and to be able to assess it at arm's length because if you're not doing that you're always going to end up neck deep in things that are going to be difficult to handle in in the moment if you do want those boundaries to stick, what I highly, highly recommend is that after you do this practice, after you go through this exercise, is that you take a few minutes and write down the things that you now know about your fear that you didn't know in the past. And so the big thing that came up for me was that I actually do have a lot more control over some of the factors that I was really worried about uh, when it comes to my own failure failure or my ability to provide for my family. And so for that, what that did for me is it, it, it gives me a lot better starting ground to build from so that I'm not so stuck in that fear loop and that I'm actually able to proceed forward with more confidence in the decisions that I'm actually making. That's a really great exercise for doing some meaningful deep work when, you know, you have a few minutes and you're alone and you're able to really go inside and to think about some of those things and, you know, possibly confront some things that might really be bothering you. But what about when you're in the moment? What about when you're actually confronting that thing that you're afraid of? Or just that thing that is really difficult, that's putting you into a super sympathetic state and you're having a hard time regulating yourself and staying clear headed. Okay. I mean, you're not going to be able to be like, all right, guys, time out. I need to take 10 minutes so that I can, you know, confront this and figure this out and to breathe through it. Now, I mean, like that just doesn't work, right? It's not tactical in a, you know, a practical way to go out throughout your day, but there's an easy way to remember or an easy thing that you can do. I just call it DN2. All right. So that's diaphragm, nasal, and you want your exhale to be twice as long as your inhale. Okay. So DN2 and that, you know, you don't necessarily have to have it perfect that your exhale is longer, twice as long as your inhale, but just that you're focusing on having a longer exhale, because what that's going to do is it's going to drive you out of that sympathetic, that fight or flight state and get you back into more of a parasympathetic state for you to be able to assess your situation and to do exactly what you need to do. Okay. So we want for a diaphragmatic breath, we want that to be really low and we want that to be wide in the body and we want the breath to be in through the nose. Okay. So a low and wide breath and a breath that comes in through the nose is signaling to the nervous system that you're in a relatively safe space. Okay. And this is very, very easily applied when you're in, you know, the field of competition or even in, in conflict, right? So between plays, just think DN2, right? Diaphragmatic breathing, in through the nose and my exhale is longer than my inhale. If you're you know, in law, law enforcement and you're in pursuit, same thing, DN2. If you're in an argument, this is a really big one, really important here, DN2, right? Before you say something or do something that you're going to regret, create some space there, breathe through your nose, take a deep breath, slow exhale, and you're gonna get back on your feet, right? If you know, you're between rounds, you're in, in a match, same thing, DN2, if you're in the ice, right? You're in an ice bath, 
leptin too. It's going to help you to stay in control so that your physiology doesn't end up running away with your emotions. Okay. It's not meant to be something that's complicated. Okay. This DN2 thing's not meant to be complicated, but your breath isn't meant to be complicated either. Okay. There are a lot of tools that you can use when you're working through something in a practice, you know, when you're at your home base, when there's not a lot of conflict that's going on around you, but you also have those really easy built-in tools like breathing through your nose and getting that low and wide in your body that's going to pull you out of those deep, dark, sympathetic spaces that often try to swallow you when you're in a fearful state, okay? You can use your breath to get fear out of the driver's seat. And you can do it on the fly. All it takes is a little bit of practice and a little bit of intention, and you can get fear back to where it's supposed to be so it's acting as something that's advantageous for you instead of acting against you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Deep Roots Podcast. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying these conversations, go to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave a review, preferably a five-star review, um, because that's the way that people find me. That's the way that people are able to access this information most easily. And if you are interested in getting in on the half price for the Breathwork templates, which are launching on June 17th, then shoot me an email or contact me on Instagram and I'll get you on the early bird list so that you can get half off. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day and thank you for spending the last 20 minutes or so with me talking about fear and the breath and I hope that it helps you as much as it has helped me. Have a great day.